I'm a real supersonic, pass the ball like magic. Sean Kim or Larry Bird, the old school Mavericks. I got basketball cards, gonna sing a little more. I got basketball cards, now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Godfather Nate Milton. And right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, show me your basketball cards. In the spirit of the great names of the past, like Dikembe Mutombo, and not Michael Jordan, but Baby Jordan, Harold Miner, Drazen, Arvidas, J.R. Ryder bringing that East Bay funk. I bring to you the man who met World Be Free and Danny Ferry, your host and my brother, Zaire, also known as Bandana Z. My basketball cards is back again. This is your host, Zaire Bandana Z. Like the show intro guy, Nate Milton said, shout out to Nate Milton. Shout out to Paris Alexa for singing the wonderful basket, My Basketball Cards theme song. You can check out her work on all streaming platforms. Two Real is her latest album that she put out. She should have more music coming out soon. This episode is... Um, another one for the 1976-77 basketball season, the Tops series. Today, we are going to be talking about maybe like the original bad boy of basketball. I don't know, but hey, it's fun to say, right? Marvin Barnes. Marvin Barnes, a talented basketball player who got in so much trouble, they called him Bad News. Marvin Bad News Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, <clears throat> this episode is not putting Marvin Barnes down. It's actually wondering what could have been, you know. Um, hopefully, we could do a part two of this episode because I would like to talk to Cedric Maxwell. Props to Cedric Maxwell, first of all. The uh, MVP of the 1981 NBA Finals. Um, we actually got a retweet from him because we mentioned him um, during the World Be Free. When we were promoting our World Be Free episodes, uh, we tweeted that Cedric Maxwell constantly references World Be Free every season uh, when he's talking about somebody that's like scoring a lot of points or having a high arcing shot. So Cedric Maxwell, MVP of the 81 Finals for the Celtics, retweeted that. And so we reached out via Twitter, and hopefully we hear from him, because we know that he played a season with Marvin Barnes during the 1978-79 season. And yeah, the 78-79 season uh, was a rough one. For the Celtics, it's the year before Larry Bird arrived. Um, just so much happening, and not necessarily in a positive way, but Marvin Barnes played 38 games with the Seas that year. And so it'll just be interesting to hear uh, what Cedric Maxwell thought during his early days in the NBA of this basketball player, a teammate of his, um, the, the ups, the downs, the uh, potential, and the... Um, I guess you could say squandering of opportunity uh, with Marvin Barnes. But, you know, Marvin Barnes came out of Providence um, and 
his uh, final season in college was the 73-74 season, where at Providence, he averaged 22.1 points and 18.7 rebounds per game. He was a first-team All-American. So that led for him to be drafted number two. Uh, in the first round of the 74 draft by the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, interesting enough, like everybody associates, you know, the 70s, uh, 76ers squads with Dr. J. But Dr. J didn't show up in Philly until the 76-77 season when the ABA was no more. Um, so it'd be real interesting to see what would have happened if Marvin Barnes had been drafted by Philadelphia and actually went there. Instead, he elected to go to the ABA where he played for a team called the Spirits of St. Louis. That's right. Listen, the St. Louis ABA team was not called the St. Louis Spirits. They were called the Spirits of St. Louis. And um, Marvin Barnes went on to play for that squad. His first season was the 74-75 season where he was the ABA Rookie of the Year. Um, and he was all ABA that year. These are his numbers. These are his numbers, excuse me. He averaged 24 points per game, 15.6 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists, 1.8 blocks, 1.2 steals. Those are some numbers for, man, I mean, those are MVP numbers. Hands down MVP numbers. He led his team in scoring. He was uh, fourth on his team in assist. He led his team in rebounds. Led his team in blocks. <laughs> um, and he was fourth in steals. So he was a guy that could do it all. And he played 77 games, which um, was the second most on the team that year. Unfortunately, St. Louis didn't have the best record. They were 32-52, and 52, and they finished third in the East Division of the Eastern Division of the ABA. However, they still made the playoffs. And we've seen, like, later in the 80s and <clears throat> even to this day, if you finish in the top eight and your record happens to be a, a losing record, you can still make the playoffs in the, in the NBA. So, you know, that's just the way it goes. ABA 1975 playoffs. The Spirits of St. Louis take on the New York Nets in the semifinals of the Eastern Division playoffs. The New York Nets have Julius serving on their squad. And they are favored to win. At the time, the New York Nets are 58-26. They got the second best record in the Eastern Division. Um, Everything is looking on the up and up. Like I said, Dr. J, star of his team, averaging 27.9 points, 10.9 rebounds, 5.5 assists per game. He's the guy on that team. Well, unfortunately for them, they get beat four games to one. The Spirits of St. Louis pull off one of the biggest upsets in professional basketball history. 
with that win, that series win, uh, Marvin Barnes just showed what he was capable of uh, as a ball player and as a rookie, 22-year-old rookie. In that five-game series, he averaged 30.6 points per game, 15.6 rebounds in a uh, series against Dr. J. Dr. J averaged 27.4 points, 9.8 rebounds, and 5.6 assists. Now, Dr. J was only 24 at the time, and Marvin Barnes was 22, so both of them were young. He outplayed the um, Hall of future Hall of Famer and just... It was a feather in the cap for him. Another player of note who was in that series for St. Louis was Maurice Lucas. And he's a player that we will be probably talking about in this series and this season as well because he, um, you know, definitely made his mark in the NBA later on, uh, winning a championship with the Portland Trailblazers and Bill Walton in the 70s. So um, when we look at Marvin Barnes, his rookie season is like the best season of his career. Uh, once again, an all-star year. Um, just to check out some of his best individual games, his best individual game as a scorer was uh, against the Memphis Sounds. That's an ABA team. And it makes sense that they're called the Memphis Sounds because so much great music history comes from Memphis. Um, you got, you know, you talk about Elvis Presley. Everybody knows about that. But you also had Stax Records, which was like the Motown of the South. And Isaac Hayes was like the uh, franchise guy, the number one guy at Stax Records. So uh, Memphis is just a very important place when you talk about American music history. You know, everybody talks about Motown and Detroit, but Memphis has its value as well. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, St. Louis beat Memphis. Um, and this was on March 16th, 1975. Marvin Barnes put up 54 points and 23 rebounds in an eight-point win. His second best scoring effort um, may have been his best game of the year, where he scored 48 points, but he also had 30 rebounds in a one-point loss. And this is to San Diego, uh, the San Diego Conquistadors was the name of that squad. And I think once upon a time, Wilt Chamberlain coached them. Uh, maybe not. I, I think I saw something with Wilt Chamberlain being their coach. Absolutely. Yeah. The year before, 73-74. I know a little something, something. Anyway. <laughs> um, so... Marvin Barnes, yeah, just some big-time games. Um, his rookie season, he had four games with at least 50 points. Um, one game, well, no, not four, four games with at least 40 points and one game with 50 points. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, that 30-rebound game was his second-highest total. He also had a game where he had pulled down 31 rebounds, also against the Memphis Sounds. We had 26 points and 31 rebounds in that contest as well. Just a big year. And so you move on to his second season. Um, Marvin posted 24.1 points per game. So scored just a little bit more. Played 67 games, 10 games less. Grabbed 10.8 rebounds. Was an all-star once more uh, that season. And 
the team actually did not make the playoffs in his second year. Um, St. Louis still 35 and 49. <clears throat> and then that's it for the ABA. He plays two seasons, um, makes a lot of noise in the ABA, two-time All-Star, and the merger happens. So he's headed to the NBA, and you think, like, you know what? This dude is going to be the man in the NBA. Well, some people may have thought that. Some people may have thought, you know what? Nah, he got to prove himself. The NBA is better than the ABA. You know, people thought that. So, you know, the game is more... Uh, it's more fundamentally sound, da, 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 da. So we'll see. But he went on to um, Detroit, and it just wasn't the best. Now, I call him the original bad boy of basketball. It's ironic that the Detroit Pistons in the late 80s became known as the bad boys, but for a different reason. Um, those bad boys weren't getting in, like, a lot of legal trouble. I mean, they may have had a player at the bottom of the bench who, you know, messed around and got in a little trouble with, like, substance abuse. But most of those players, you know, had their head on straight and were doing what they were supposed to be doing in the late 80s and 90s off of the court. They were known for being the bad boys on the court because they intimidated you and they uh, just took advantage of you physically if they could. And if they could get inside your mind that you were worried about getting hurt, they took advantage of you on the basketball court and beat you um, because you weren't thinking about the game, you were thinking about getting hurt. Um, Marvin Barnes could be known as a bad boy for a different reason. So before we talk about that, rookie season in Detroit, 76-77, the season that these cars are based out of, he put up uh, 9.6 points per game and played 53 games that year. And um, he did have a, a, some good games that year, um, some good stretches, but it was a bit inconsistent. Um, his best game that year, it was a win against Indiana where he put up 33 points um, and 11 rebounds. This is uh, January 30th, 1977. Uh, the Pistons won 127 to 120, and they improved to 28 and 21. The Pacers dropped to 22 and 27. Uh, so, you know, that was Bob. I'm not Bob Lanier. But Bob Lanier was on the team with the Pistons. But that was Marvin Barnes' uh, top game of the season. He scored 33. Bob Lanier had 28. Uh, future Celtic Chris Ford and another future Celtic ML Carr had 16 and 10, respect, respect, respectively. Sorry. <laughs> And uh, Kevin Porter, a uh, pretty good point guard in his day, put up 16 points for the Detroit win. Now, let's get into the craziness of it all. Um, Marvin Barnes had a hard time playing full seasons because of legal issues and substance abuse issues. So he never had a season where he played <clears throat> over 80 games. He had one season when he played over 70 games. Um, actually, he had two seasons where he played over 70 games. No, no, one. Sorry. Just one. Um, just lots of trouble. So, just to go to the Wikipedia page real quick, um, where it says that 
Barnes' nickname Bad News was derived from his frequent off-court problems, which began when he was a senior at Central High School. He was part of a gang that attempted to rob a bus. Barnes was quickly identified as he was wearing his state championship jacket with his name embroidered on it. His case was handled by the juvenile justice system in 1972 while playing center for Providence College. Barnes attacked a teammate with a tire iron. He later pled guilt, pleaded guilty to assault and paid the victim $10,000 and was placed on probation. Barnes violated probation in October 1976 when an unloaded gun was found in his bag at the Detroit Metropolitan Airport. He served 152 days in Rhode Island State Prison. Upon release, he returned to the Detroit Pistons. Barnes was arrested for burglary, drug possession, and trespassing. Because of his drug use, Barnes' NBA career was cut short, and he wound up homeless in San Diego in the early 1980s. After several rehab programs, Barnes stated or started reaching out to youth in South Providence, where he grew up, urging them to not make the same mistakes that he had. So that's from the, the Wikipedia page, and it sounds pretty accurate. Um, there was a movie uh, that came out, I believe, um, it was a 30 for 30 movie about the spirits of St. Louis, and Marvin Barnes was in that project and this is made like shortly before he passed away and he did pass away in 2014 uh, at 62 and it was said that he fell back into drug abuse again and you know that did a number on him um but yeah he was the most entertaining person in that film um just told the truth about his experience and what he used to do. Um, it was just interesting hearing how he said when he played for St. Louis, he made sure that the stars on the other team had a good time and enjoyed themselves so that when the game came, they were kind of worn out and he could dominate. So um, it's just interesting to hear that. Um, I, I read another story when he played in Boston uh, in the 78-79 season where he had his best game of the year. That year, he only averaged 8.1 points per game for Boston, uh, but he had some moments that year. And one of them was a 29-point win against the Kansas City, or not a 29, a 29-point performance in a win against the Kansas City Kings. And in that game... Um, you know, it was a big deal because he was back in the state of Missouri uh, playing uh, basketball for the first time since he had, I guess, or I won't say for the first time. I don't know if it was the first time or not. I got to do a little research on that. But, you know, being back in Missouri after playing in St. Louis and being a big star there, it was a big deal to him. And he performed like it. And he put up, you know, big numbers that day. <clears throat> and... The Celtics, you know, were coached by Dave Collins, who was a player coach. And the deal with Dave Collins, you know, Dave Collins was known for being a tough guy. And he, I guess, knowing what he knew, because I guess sometimes as a player, you can hide things from your coach. But if it's a player coach, he's right there in the trenches with you and he knows what's going on. He's not too unattached and too um, old to see what's happening. 
And so he he knew like, yo, Marvin is doing a lot of stuff off the court, but if he could just stay focused on the court, everything will be okay. And it's just real interesting how things changed in sports uh, recently. You know, in, in the 80s, even I remember, like, guys had drug problems, they had legal problems, and even in the 90s, sometimes, in, 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 in many cases. But as fans and, you know, management of teams, they would just kind of be like, you know what, if, if they could kind of just focus on the game, everything will be okay. And there was rehab and things of that nature, but it just always seemed like, we just said, hey, man, you know, whatever they do in their personal life is their personal life. We just want them to perform on the field. And I even remember feeling like that. I was a big Cowboys fan, still am. Uh, but in the 90s, you know, a lot of Cowboys got in trouble for various reasons. And I was just like, man, just perform on the field. I don't care what you do off the field. But that sentiment has changed in sports. Um, I don't think it's not that Dave Cowens didn't care about Marvin Barnes as a person. But I think during that time, it was just the, the culture of, you know, we can't control what you do when you leave the workplace. Like, that's your life. That's your time. But in the workplace, do what you're supposed to be doing. And don't get in so much trouble outside of the workplace that you can't come to the workplace and perform. And I think that was the attitude. We're like, nowadays, it's like, you know, no, be an even better person outside of the workplace <laughs> so that you can come to the workplace and do your job and be fine. Um, I think that's really like the mentality that a lot of businesses and uh, society has right now, um, especially for the celebrities and athletes. It's like they're kind of held to a higher standard, unfortunately. It just seems like people want their role models who tend to be celebrities and athletes to live to a higher standard than they do. So it's just an interesting um, way of thinking, interesting view of society from me, uh, not to my own horn, but I just think, I just think it's interesting just to think how things have changed and what we demand of our celebrities. But all that being said, um, Marvin Barnes was a guy who definitely had Hall of Fame talent and definitely could have been a star for years to come, his NBA career was over at the age of 27 during the 79-80 season. So the, the year that Magic Johnson and, Mike and uh, Larry Bird arrived, uh, Marvin Barnes is playing his final 20 games of his career in the NBA. And there was no fanfare. There was nothing like that season. He, he wasn't phenomenal. Uh, he was a guy that played, you know, 15 minutes per game, maybe, uh, in that last year with the San Diego Clippers. Uh, just wasn't anything to write home about for him to close his career. And, you know, once he's done in San Diego, he's homeless for a little while and, you know, fighting substance abuse problems. It just was ugly. Um, he was waived. Um Actually, he was signed by the Clippers as a free agent in the, um, on September 30th, 1979. He was waived October 10th, 1979, and he was signed again January 30th, 1980. Um, so that's how things happened for him. 
and he finished the season. He started his first game. He played. He didn't start, but he played his first game with the Clippers February 6, 1980, and he played his last game uh, March 30th, 1980, and that was it for him. <clears throat> and um, his best season in the NBA was, uh, I want to say his first season, where he averaged 11.4 points per game uh, with, actually it was his second season in the NBA. He averaged 11.4 points per game with Detroit and Buffalo for, um, you know, he was, he was let go from Detroit after 12 games into that season. And I don't know if he was traded or, yeah, he was traded from Detroit to Buffalo. Um, and Buffalo got Gus or Detroit got Gus Gerard and John Shoemate. And a first-round draft pick. Um, so that's a lot, actually. <laughs> Basically for Marvin Barnes. Um, but that's how good they thought Marvin Barnes was going to be. And um, he just needed to get in a situation where he could, um, you know, have his head straight. And it just never happened. It never happened. Um, and he passed away uh, in 2014, which... Actually, with all of the craziness he was into, him making it to 62 is amazing. You know, um, it, it may sound harsh, but, you know, I look at, you look at like celebrities and many of them that live hard like this, a lot of them flame out in their 30s or in their 20s. And this guy made it to his 60s, um, living a hard, fast lifestyle. So, uh, you know, he was... Fortunate for the time that he had on this earth and, you know, for a period of time, he was as good as anybody in basketball. He led Providence to a final four. Um, he, he scored uh, what 52 points in a, in a college game, which was a school record. Um, he was just an amazing uh, talent that just didn't see it through. Unfortunately, didn't see it through. And it's just a good example to young people like or not. a I wouldn't say good example, but just a real example to young people or to people in general to just, you know, do your best to, to stay away from addictions and focus on what you're really good at so that you can make a great impact in a positive way. I think Marvin Barnes made a great impact, but it was mostly in a negative way. But hopefully it could be used to just uh, teach people to be the best that they can be so that they don't do what he did. And, and he did his best to share that message as well. So credit to him and that. That's a good thing. Um, but, um, you know, we're going to wrap this episode up. Hopefully we can do a part two with Cedric Maxwell because I'd just be interested to see what, what or hear what it was like to play alongside this guy, especially on a night when he was rolling. How good was he? Um, who did he match up against that, that you could say, yeah, he was as good as this guy. I mean, he proved to, during his rookie season that he was, you know, right there, neck and neck with Julius Irving. So, you know, we'll see uh, if we can make that happen. But thank you for tuning in to another episode of My Basketball Cards. I am Zaire, and uh, we'll be bringing you more soon. Thank you.